In the Reading Corner today, I'm very excited to be talking to husband and wife creative duo, Kerry Franzman and Jonathan Plackett, about their new book, Gender Swapped Fairy Tales. Kerry is a comic creator and has worked for Penguin Random House, The Guardian and The Times. And Jonathan is, according to his website, an art director, developer, copywriter, thinker, creative technologist and author. Really pleased to have you here. And I thought we could start with you, Jonathan, because there's an interesting backstory, isn't there, to this project. So I wondered if you could set this up for us and tell us how it came about. Yeah, so the, the story of the book, uh, it kind of begins when I was a little boy. Um, my, my dad used to read me and my sister bedtime stories. And uh, what we didn't know at the time was he was secretly gender swapping some of the characters in the books. So that kind of made it more interesting for him to tell those stories. But it gave me and my sister a whole bunch of characters that didn't, you know, conform to normal gender stereotypes. Great, Dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, I understand that you were playing around and devised an algorithm to change the gender in stories. So what happened there? Yeah, I think it was just something I was kind of interested in. I kind of made the algorithm partly because I was interested in what we could make for our two nearly three-year-old daughter. So I was kind of interested, you know, she's growing up in this world, very, a very gendered world. And I was interested in what we could make kind of for her. But I was also really interested in uh, making an algorithm for myself um, so that I, you know, to see the world from a completely different perspective by swapping everything. Um, and then reading these stories the other way around just seemed really interesting to me as a, you know, as a white man in the world who is not generally discriminated against in any way. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to ask you then, when you make an algorithm like this, is it as simple as just changing the nouns and the pronouns that signal gender so man woman girl boy his hers that's it done and dusted is it as easy as that i thought it was going to be yeah when i started i, I thought it would be almost like a you know like an autocompleting word you know that i would just put in the all these words and it would just swap them all but the, it just turns out there's a few bits of english language that are a bit more complicated um the, it's the way uh, him and her and his and hers all swap it's one of the examples where they, they don't swap consistently between each other and you end up um, you end up having to kind of analyse the whole sentence and work out what kind of words they are and which one would be appropriate, which is just a bit annoying. It's just English is just a little bit strange. So <laughs> it should have been easy, but it wasn't. That's so fascinating because we're probably not even aware of it when we're reading. Yes. But I'm now going to try and go back and uh, find some of these oddities, which sound, they sound really fascinating. So, Carrie, how did you become interested in the project then that Jonathan was playing around with? So we, we often co have collaborated in the past on various projects. We've done animation together and kind of story. There's often something which has got some kind of visual narrative and experimental technology side to it, which we, we like to play with. So we're often throwing ideas back and forth between us. And I remember when he came to me and he said, oh, I'm thinking about doing this um, gender swapping algorithm. And I was instantly like really interested. One of the most exciting things is with this algorithm is you put some text in and you get out a completely new story. It's kind of an instant gratification. Mm -hmm. um, so it was my suggestion that we apply it to a public domain Victorian fairy tales because obviously these are some of the most famous stories, they're some of the best stories, and they're some of the earliest stories that we ever, ever see when we're children. And it was just really exciting seeing, seeing the brand new narrative that came out. 
you said that you went to the Victorian stories. I know that Andrew Lang um, was one of your sources with the colour fairy books that he did. They were some of the first books to make uh, fairy tales popular again before I think they were seen as a little bit lowbrow. And there's so many stories available there. So we had a lot to choose from. But then we had this amazing um, discovery that, in fact, it was perhaps more the work of his wife than him, some of these fairy books, but he'd been credited as the author. So we were interested to kind of delve a little bit more into that. And um, he had a whole team of women working with him who would translate the story from all over the world. Um, But it was his name on the cover. So we found that quite interesting as well. They were also a we'd like to say wife and husband team. And so I felt there was a kind of happy coincidence there. We should give her her name. It's Nora Lang, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Leonora Blanche Lang, uh, or Nora, yeah, to her friends. And where did you find out about her story? So there was an article written by researcher Andrea Day, um, which was titled Almost Wholly the Works of Mrs Lang, Nora Lang, Literary Labour and the Fairy Books in Women's Writing in 2017. So that was kind of really exciting to discover and read a little bit more about it. It's great the way that these things come together. So I'd like to dig a little deeper into uh, the changes that you made. So this this now becomes um, a real project that's so you know that you're working towards uh, putting this book together. And when you get the text back, you realise that you can't just swap some of these words. You have to do a bit of tweaking as well. Or did you decide that you wouldn't do any tweaking at all? We had a conversation with our, our editor, Louise Joyner, about this. And she, she really was of the belief that we should keep it as pure as possible. It's almost like an art project crossed with a book, crossed with activism. So we've got this algorithm which just swaps the world and we didn't want to rewrite it. I think there's a lot of examples of people having rewritten varied stories, but you get kind of the same characters and archetypes coming up again, even with rewritten feminist takes. So you get the tomboy princess as a character, but what you don't see is a male character with more feminine qualities, which we found really interesting with our book because you got princes who were kind-hearted and sensitive and in need of protection, which is something we don't see enough. We're allowed allowing women to take on masculine roles, but men taking on feminine ones is more controversial, I think. Yeah, that's a really interesting point because if we go back to the older stories before Lang, before Perrault, or even looking at Grimm's, there are examples of strong women. For every Tom Thumb, there is an equivalent female character. There's Kate Crackernuts, there's Molly Whuppie. Um, So they are there, but actually when I looked, I couldn't find, even in those older tales, as many sensitive young men. Not really. I found one called The Sleeping Prince, which is an old Greek folktale, but not many. I think the thing about this book is we want it to be as much for boys as girls, as women as men, as non-binary people and trans people. But the, the main thing is we want it to also be for people who've never thought about gender before. And I think, you know, that's the purpose. If we can flip this binary world, which we have, we can open up you know, a discussion as to the archetypes which our society falls in. It's kind of like our world that seems through a mirror. The thing as well is by swapping it and leaving it, not make, not making any changes, what you can do is you can read it and you can, you, you know what it used to be as well. You can flip it back in your head and you can kind of see these two stories, which is 
you know, if something pops out at you that you think, oh, that's kind of strange, you can then flip it and imagine why it feels strange now and why it didn't to begin with, uh, which I think is really interesting. I think it gives us a really fascinating vehicle for discussion, actually. And yeah. I did want to ask you, you call your story Handsome and the Beast? Yeah. So how did the word handsome get in there rather than beauty? It's interesting. We, we had uh, lots of discussions about it's easy to swap the pronoun, the boy, the girl, the prince, the princess, but then you've got the gendered word and that included dress or lord or, you know, names from Jack to Jacqueline. And we decided to try and swap those words, which are binary um, in our society, because even though it would be brilliant if anyone could be called whatever name they want, wear whatever they want, uh, be a lord or if they wanted to, regardless of gender or a lady if they wanted to. We live in a binary world so we wanted to try and swap that binary and reflect that binary. But we actually kept beauty for men in a lot of the, the text. It was only the titles that we tried to swap it because we wanted uh, the titles to kind of appear different from the original titles. So that's why we went with Sleeping Handsome and Handsome and the Beast. But it's interesting because in the original Lang version, they refer to Cinderella as handsome quite a lot. Mm -hmm. And we certainly let, like, I think there's lots of examples of boys being pretty and girls being handsome, which we left within the text. But we did decide to change the title because we wanted it to, to feel like a different story. It's just an interesting one. And the same, I think, also, I wanted to ask you um, about witch and wizard and whether the connotations are the same. When you change a witch to a wizard, are the connotations the same? Interesting, isn't it? The maiden, the mother or the crone, right? Yeah. <laughs> now the men are just the, the beautiful, <laughs> you know, sometimes 12-year-old or 14-year-old princes or these, like, ugly old wizards. It's quite, it's quite, you, you, it was kind of almost boring to draw the male characters because they were so the same character over and over again, where suddenly the women got a massive variety of animals and monsters and, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask you, Jonathan, was there a story that kind of leapt up the page for you when you thought, gosh, that just makes me see the world differently? Was there any one story that spoke to you perhaps more than the others? I think there, there are two examples. There's one, a character that jumped out at me and um, I think the thing we did that no one else has done is we've swapped the whole world and everything in it. And that, I think that's why we got those, these characters that are new that no one had thought to write before. So the king from Snow White, the story starts with him sitting by the window, sewing and longing for a child. And um, like Carrie and I had to do IVF to get a daughter. So that really struck me that I hadn't really seen a character, a male character longing for a child before in literature or, or film or TV or anything. So that as a character, I found that really interesting and, and really nice to see represented. And probably as a story, I think Beauty and the Beast probably was the most interesting because that was the one where, you know, I said I, I wanted to imagine myself in a different type of story. And that was really interesting. You see women self-sacrificing for men all the time. And that story is really interesting. Um, Handsome has to sort of do everything for the beast. And, you know, even his mother is just saying, no, just forget your own happiness. Just look after the beast. So I thought it was really interesting to put my, to imagine a, a story the other way around. Gosh, they're two really powerful things that you've mentioned there. What about for you, Carrie? He stole my story about the beast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> I can't repeat that one now. But no, I do think that one's really interesting because, um, you know, looking past the flaws of a beastly and ugly princess is just so original. Um, and it's so weird because we've watched so many films. We were watching one the other day and the, the girl was standing by her man, you know, even though he was being horrible and going through depression and being difficult. And we see that story so much, but that, that idea that a man should just look past a woman who's imperfect or angry or ugly is, is really exciting. I, I really agree with John on that one. But I think the thing which stood out for me was just, I, I consider myself, you know, a card carrying liberal feminist. And I think it was interesting because there were still things which really surprised me about the language, about the way men's names came first in titles. So you got Gretel and Hansel instead of Hansel and Gretel and it was sisters and brothers and you know all these things which I found really surprising it's just so ingrained in language how we subtly kind of create these stereotypes and you were sort of playing around with the gender swapping the gender but were you as interested in the things that remained the same so I'm thinking about youth and age one of the biggest examples is these are Victorian tales, so they're still very heteronormative. And I think that's the kind of thing, you know, we need to create another algorithm to solve as well. <laughs> and I think there's other interesting elements, like you said, age, I mean, and, and being synonymous with beauty and being good. I mean, it, it, you know, there's so many other power structures, I think. Let's talk a bit about the illustration. They're beautiful and look to me as though they draw quite a lot on folk art, but I wondered if you can tell us a bit about your processes and how you went about the illustration. It was um, super intimidating to think, how am I going to start drawing fairy stories? And these stories have been absolutely done to death. So I started off Google image searching for all the examples of Cinderella and just seeing what was out there and I started copying the, some of the old fairy tale images but gender swapping the, the sketches just in rough sketches to see what would happen and it was interesting because you can gender swap images as well and you start having like you know princes with exposed throats and, and the clothes clinging to them in certain places and falling off them in other places so that was my research process and then I had to start coming up with my own way of, of drawing these stories. Um, so I did a lot of research into each of the, the origins of when these stories were first written down. Obviously they're oral stories which have existed forever. So each story has an influence based on its origin. And I researched the architecture and the clothing and the patterns during that time and tried to infuse the stories with them. Um, and each of the stories has a very specific contrasting colour palette to kind of uh, modernise them I guess and I think the only other thing to say is there was very distinct power imbalances in, in the drawings as much as I could thought that was quite interesting to play with. Actually sounds so fascinating that you went through a similar process at the beginning uh, of your creative process to the one that Jonathan had been through in trying to just swap and see what happens uh, really fascinating Jonathan, when you saw Carrie's, I, I don't know if she shares her work when it's in progress with you or whether you see it at the end when it's finished, but uh, what, what did you feel that they brought to the stories? It's just really fascinating, isn't it? It really brought them to life. You know, I was just looking at text on a page and imagining it. 
then to see them swapped as well, it just get, made the characters kind of leap off the page. They're, they're just really beautiful drawings. Um, and I, I kind of saw them just as sketches as well. And they were really exciting even then. Seeing them develop was just really, really cool. You also saw me having meltdowns when we went out. <laughs> 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 you saw she's, me throwing my pens across the room a few times. <laughs> she's a bit of a perfectionist, which is why they're so good. <laughs> You've mentioned your daughter, Lyra. Um, I wondered how much of an inspiration she is to you in this kind of project. It's definitely made me think about things more. But I, I guess a lot of my inspiration for this has kind of come from talking to Carrie. Like I, you know, when we met, I wouldn't have called myself a feminist. So I think I've started thinking a lot more about things through conversations we've had. But definitely also having a daughter and then just thinking about the messages she's receiving in the world and she's already very influenced by the world and the you know the cartoons and the films that she watches and so just think just thinking about that and trying to just push back the other way a little bit interesting and are you going to put this algorithm that you've created to other users or have you already started to do that yeah we've already thought about all we in fact at the very beginning we were playing around with all sorts of things um, which the algorithm can do gender neutrality and and non-binaryism and I mean there's so many things so we've we've been playing around and we're, we're definitely looking into that um watch the space I'd say sounds exciting <laughs> it's been a real pleasure to talk to you both today and uh looking forward to the book coming out in November uh and also to introducing it to our participants in the exploring children's literature summer school next year I'm going to be sure to email it out to those that attended this year as well. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Lovely to speak to you, Nikki. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to In the Reading Corner with Just Imagine. If you have enjoyed this podcast, you can find many more on the podcast section of our website, justimagine.co.uk, plus via iTunes or SoundCloud or your usual podcast provider. Don't forget to pass the pod and recommend this fantastic free resource to your friends and colleagues.